your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Snap back. Levis has time. Steps through. Gets hit and dropped. He's sacked. And he just flips the ball away. The Huskers pick it up. They're going to say incomplete pass. And Nebraska is going to beat Penn State today to get their first win of 2020. As they twice in the last five minutes of this game basically have goal line stands to preserve a 30-23 game. Boy, did these black shirts step up, Greg Sharp. Holy moly. Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Following an absolutely gorgeous fall day in the state of Nebraska, if you had a chance to get outside, take a walk, do something today, it was spectacular today. We're going to get many more of those, but it was great out there today. Welcome. Appreciate you being part of the program here tonight. We've got a full show for you. We've got a practice report coming up here in a few minutes. The head coach met with the media today following the Huskers' workout as they are now less than 48 hours away from kickoff against the Fighting Illini. We'll hear some clips from the head coach. The chancellor from the University of Nebraska, Ronnie Green, will be by updating on some things going on at the university as they are about ready to wrap up the semester about that finals begin on saturday that was my man I, I still wake up with some nightmares about not being prepared for a final and that i didn't go to class all semester and had to go in there and take a final so the anxiety level pretty high i'm sure on campus we'll get the latest from chancellor green coming up here in a few minutes hour number two did you ever show is, up late to a final um don't believe i did did you, you did you sleep through uh alarm clock or something just just quick, because every time we talk about finals every year, I think about this. I don't know if I actually told this story on the air. It's my senior year, and it's like my second-to-last test ever. And I uh, – obviously in the syllabus it says when the final is and, and uh, you know, the review and the email. I mean, there, there's no reason why you don't know <laughs> a time for a final, right? So – you know, I have it written down in my planner, whatever, and it was early. I mean, I I, I want to say the final was at like 8 o'clock. And so I got there plenty what I thought was early. I showed up at like 7.40, like 20 minutes early. And the entire – like it wasn't a small class either. There was probably 200 people in there, and they were already working. And the, the final had already started. I'm going, what? What what is happening? What why why are what is going on? It's like literally your worst nightmare. So anyway, I'm flustered and rattled the entire time. The guy lets me take the test, thankfully. Rattled the entire time, like literally just dumbfounded at what just happened. So I go back to my dorm room and look at the sheet and it said eight o'clock. I'm like, what what is going on? Did I did did it get changed and I like so it was my fault, but it also wasn't my fault. So when you say you have nightmares, like that's that's the first thing I think of <laughs> you is like how, I still wonder to this day every once in a while how in the world that actually happened. I don't know. Didn't do well in the oh, final, by the way. I think anybody who's gone to school has had those nightmares where you weren't prepared or you were late or you slept through it and you're like, Holy cow, three months of work just went down the drain. Uh, so that's happened. I can't believe it's already happening, but great call by Ronnie Green, Ted Carter, to move up the semester, get this over with, because certainly 
these um, the breakout of the virus is getting pretty serious around the state of Nebraska. Hour two, it's our football show for the for the week. We've had a busy week. We've had Amy Williams, Fred Hoiberg, Bill Moose tonight. Ryan Held, Husker running backs coach and recruiting coordinator, will be here for hour number two. So get your comments, questions ready for him. A uh, lot to talk about with him, not only about his running backs room, the victory over Penn State, getting ready for Illinois, but we're inside of 30 days for the signing day for the early signing period for college football. So lots to talk about with Coach Hell. Third hour of the program, it's uh, week two of the face-off between myself and Austin. He can put me out of my misery later tonight. <laughs> Looking forward to that. We'll have some fun with that. Brian Barnhart, the voice of the Fighting Illini, will be here to give us a preview of Illinois football. Like Nebraska, they're coming off a win. A last-second victory as they kicked a field goal to beat Rutgers last week, 23-20. to 20. So we'll get a, an update on the Illini in hour number three. And we'll have our Flix picks as well. And those phone lines are always open and available for you. 531-500-4686. That is our Sports Nightly Hotline. Brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence this is Woodhouse. All right, Austin had it for us in the ticker. The complete Husker men's basketball schedule. Ben is now out. Yesterday we got the conference portion. Today we got the non-conference portion. What do you make of the seven non-conference games now on the docket for the Big Red? I think it's, uh, first of all, I just think it's great that we have a non-conference schedule. For so long, It the rumor was that there wasn't going to be one and Nebraska was just going to be playing in conference. So I'm glad that there is. I'm especially glad um, that the Creighton game is still on the schedule. And I'm also glad that, and we knew this was going to be a thing, that the Big Ten ACC challenge is still a thing. I think, you know, we've already lost a lot of those tournaments, the Maui Invitational, you know, some of those great ones that I love to watch every year are gone. I know there's some of these multi-team events and and, uh, Nebraska having one of them. So I think it's going to seem relatively – normal-ish at times to have some of these things go on in the non-conference and that that's that's kind of my biggest takeaway is I think it's a you know there are obviously some games on there that Nebraska need to win and there are some games on there that are going to really challenge the Huskers and I think that you know you're participating in the multi-team event the Golden Window Classic and you're also going to have the the matchup with Creighton which is you know much Ballyhooed every year, and rightfully so. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. In in Omaha, this would, was to be the year Creighton was to be in Lincoln, but it is going to be in Omaha. I think there were two reasons for that. One, I think if you're Nebraska, you want to get that offset from the Big Ten ACC Challenge. You don't want to have years where they're both at home and then years where they're both on the road. Well, last year they were both on the road, so Nebraska didn't really have a prime home game in the non-conference this year, the ACC challenge is here. Georgia Tech's coming here. So to kind of get it balanced, I think you opted to go to Creighton. That's reason number one. Reason number two, you can't have people come in the, in the building. So if you're in Nebraska, you're like, eh, Creighton, you take this year. We'll take it next year when we hopefully can fill the building back up and make some money off the game. So I think those are two reasons for that. So McNeese State is the opener next Wednesday, 11 a.m. So it's a lunchtime game. And the reason for that is that the Golden Windows Tournament begins later that day. And so they they want to start that there. And and that's one reason. Number two, Nebraska then will play St. Louis the next day at 1. And you want kind of a 24-hour recovery time for your guys. So that they have plenty of time to recover. You have plenty of time to 
get your scout figured out and ready to roll and then and, and then go. So early start next Wednesday here on the network, 10 a.m. for pregame coverage here on the network with Kent Pavelka and Jake Muehlheisen. And the non-conference will be completely wrapped up, Ben, before they start league play on the 21st of December. So they'll get seven games in. Normally it's 11, so only down four. That's really good news, too. You basically play a full season, which again goes back to why – why did the NCAA, Why is the NCAA allowing an extra year, year of eligibility for all these basketball players? They're going to get twenty-seven of their thirty-one games in. Why? I don't. I don't understand why they they did that. But, but whatever. So I, I think it's a good blend. I think there's enough of a challenge in there, Ben, that they're, you're going to get a a feel for what this team's going to be like before they have to step on the court and start Big Ten play. Time to jump into tonight's practice report every practice we're going to work on it every single day until these guys master it all season long there's nothing better as an athlete than being part of something that's bigger than just yourself and i think these guys are starting to feel that and we'll keep building it it's time for a husker football practice report on sports nightly brought to you by good friends at jtech construction football is back and soon the cold weather will be too if you're windows aren't ready for winter call jtech construction the official exterior experts of the huskers for a free estimate head coach scott frost meeting with members of the media today at last time for nebraska and illinois coach frost uh, asked by about, about a couple of different things it was an overly long session today he first addressed running back situations and how they get potentially bigger plays from those guys yeah, you know, I've said a bunch. We need to hit some more big plays in the offense so we don't have to sustain as many drives. Those need to come in the pass game and the run game. Uh, we're going to be consistently working toward that. Um, I, I think uh, there's some things we can do better. It's interesting, you know, we're our, our offense is probably a little different than some others in the league, and it's just funny to me how we get in games and people play us different than what we've seen on tape in about every game that we've looked at. And... Uh, we need to do a good job adjusting to those things and creating some opportunities. Uh, but we've got some looks uh, at least the last two weeks that we weren't expecting. And, um, you know, and, and part of that's just we need to block a little better and, and break a tackle or make somebody miss from time to time. Um, but I think those things will come. So he fur- furthered that comment a little bit on different teams – defending Nebraska differently from year to year. For example, Illinois, the last two times Nebraska has played them, hasn't shown the same uh, things on defense. Uh, what has Coach Frost seen, and, and how is it that, that that comes to be and what Nebraska has to do, has to, do to counteract that? Yeah, you know, I, I said a lot of complimentary things about Northwestern. Uh, when you watch them, they're in pretty much the same look a lot, and they're really good at it. Uh, we got in the game against them, and – they did some things that we'd never seen them do. Um, so again, we have to we have to be able to adjust a little better to that, and um, that's kind of what we've always dealt with uh, running the offense that we've run with a little more heavy uh, read and quarterback run and those things. Um, uh, Illinois definitely played us different last year than they did the first year, and and I kind of expect uh, maybe some change up this week. So um, we just got to be ready to manage it. What do you what do you think? Coaches uh, means by that exactly, Greg. I mean, obviously, teams aren't going to line up and do the same thing year after year, but um, more so, what Nebraska does, you know, and and to counteract that. Here's my thought on the whole thing: I, 
these coaches have had so much downtime. They haven't been able to go out on the road recruit. They had all summer, spring, summer, fall, where they could sit there and cook up different things for each opponent. They could sit there and they could spend a Tuesday in early September. Go okay if we if we play Nebraska this week, based on what they did, what could we add? What wrinkles could we add? If we play Northwestern this week, what wrinkles can we add? So I think everybody's loaded up their playbooks and their create cre- creativity has just gone crazy. But that's why I think you're seeing a lot of this happen. But also, I mean, Lovey Smith's a defensive guy. He's that's where he that's where he's made his hay as a coach, and so he's going to be come up with some things to try to disrupt Nebraska's rhythm and stuff. I, I think that's part of it. It's that's why the coaching in this league is so good, and so you have to be able to play that cat and mouse game from week to week. And these coaches have had so much downtime for the last day; they can only watch so many episodes of Ozark. Ben, yeah, I mean they got to they got to do some other things, and so they're coming up with ways to stop the teams. At least uh, at least until the new season comes out, which we're all anxiously <laughs> awaiting for. But, yeah, I mean, it's the same thing with Nebraska. They're not going to go out and do the same exact thing against Illinois right. offensively uh, as they did last year either. Uh, how has the team looked this week after a win? We've seen how they've had to bounce back week after week with losses. They're on the other side this time. How, how has the team looked in, in terms of energy and enthusiasm after the win? I think we're ready. Um... You know, that was the message all week uh, that you can't relax after a win. You have to be that much more committed to being really good uh, and to getting better during the week. Um, you know, defensively, I think we're doing a really good job of that uh, because we're more veteran on defense, and I think those guys get it. Um, offense has just been a, a process of bringing the young guys along the whole year and, and trying to lean on our veterans. Uh, but I, I was pleased with the intensity and the attitude this week. It shouldn't be a situation, Greg, in my eyes, where they win one game and automatically they show up on Monday and just relax because they know how hard they had to work and and practice weeks and weeks that they lost, let alone that they won. So, you know, the attitude shouldn't be we won a game, we can can slack off because they worked really hard to prepare for Ohio State and Northwestern and didn't win those games. So I, I think most everybody probably understands that you better bring it or think you're going to be right back to feeling how you felt two weeks ago. Yeah, no doubt. And they don't want that feeling. They love the feeling they had Saturday, Saturday night, Sunday, Monday. You get a taste of that and you want it again. And I think there's a hunger and this will be a telltale sign if they come out and do it again this week. And winning can be a, become a habit, Ben, and that's what you hope is that they, they, they fall into a habit of winning now after kind of busting through last week and beating Penn State. The big story of the week has been black shirts, and they were uh, handed out this week based on the efforts against Penn State. The question to Coach Frost was, you know, does the tradition mean as much now to the players as it did back when he was playing and kind of have that same desire to to grab that thing and, and covet it uh, as he did back in the 90s and, and uh, what all went into the decision to hand them out this week? I see it. I saw the emotions on the guys' faces when they got awarded a black shirt. Um, I think you're probably in recent years, and I might be guilty of it, those have been given out a little too easy. Um, so we didn't give any out uh, until after this last game. Um, they don't have them permanently. If they don't live up to the standards of the black shirt, they won't keep them. Um, you know, I don't want this to be like Halloween, where you just walk up and knock on the door and get a piece of candy. It's got to be a little harder than that. 
we gave out 12. Um, Dismuke and Deontay and Decap and Cam all got them in the secondary. Uh, Will and Colin got them at linebacker. Uh, we really have three starters at outside backer, so Garrett and JoJo and Caleb got them. And uh, Stilly, Ty Robinson, and, and Daniels got them on the D-line. And there was a lot of emotion when they got them. Um, those kids won us a game last week with their play at the end of the game, and they deserve them. Uh, but they have to keep doing the things that they need to do to continue to deserve them. Yeah, and that's that's the hope, right? I mean, once once you have them to not, you know, again, what we were just talking about a second ago, not to dial it back, but, you know, if anything, ramp it up a notch. And for those guys that didn't get them that are playing snaps, you know, that's that's some that's some pretty big motivation to see some teammates wear that color jersey and, and you don't have one to make sure that you get one. Yeah, I mean, it is an emotional deal. It should be an emotional deal. That means it means something to you. And so I'm glad to hear that there was some emotion when they passed him out. I'm trying to remember a couple years ago, we had a Husker who turned his back in. He didn't feel like he deserved it. And I can't remember, was it Josh Banderas maybe? I mean, it was somebody in that kind of era who just said, I didn't play well enough Saturday. I don't deserve this thing. And they turned it back in. Maybe Jack Gangwish, somebody like that. But yeah, I'm glad to hear that it was an emotional thing. That means it means a lot to him. Yeah, man, that's a that's a good trivia question right there because that, that name escapes me too. Um, but yeah, I do remember I do remember that happening. Um, one thing that has been a huge topic of conversation really since Ohio State, but even more so with the passing Saturdays, has been Nebraska's continuity on offense and and you know them picking things up and uh, where they want to be by the end of the season. Coach Frost, if he expects more from the offense this week. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't just point to Luke. You know, it's his second game. He's not going to get everything figured out in one, but I hope he's a little more comfortable in this game. And that being said, I thought he he did some really good things and played well enough for us to win Saturday. When I, when I look at it, practice, uh, you know, Luke's getting some touches and, and, and he's playing and Marvin Scott's playing and Vokalek's playing and Ben Hart's playing and Piper's playing and Alante Brown's playing and... Xavier Betts is playing, and I'd go on and on, but it's a lot of first-year players. Uh, gets me really excited about where we're going and the trajectory. Um, but I was not near as good a player my first year at Nebraska as it was my second. And we're just trying to build those guys, uh, get them better every week. Um, and I, I expect more, more of those young guys to start playing as we continue through this year. Uh, that's why I mentioned we're a little more veteran on defense right now. We got a couple young guys playing, but there's a lot of guys with a lot of snaps and experience, and uh, we're trying to bring the offense along. And um, I'm I'm impressed with their attentiveness to try to keep improving and the effort uh, to try to keep knowing their stuff. I've been saying all week, Greg. My expectation of the offense is probably the highest that it's been this week. Are, are you in the same place? Yeah, I think so. Um... What what the one concern I have facing Illinois is that they've got a penchant for forcing turnovers, and so I think that we'll move the ball because Illinois kind of allows you to move it between the twenties, and then they really try to fight you once you get it near the red zone, which has not been a real strong strength for Nebraska so far this year. And uh, you just worry that you might have a nice long drive and you turn it over, you know. And so that that's what concerns me a little bit about Saturday is that it, Illinois is good at causing you to make mistakes and so ball security to me is gonna be a big big part of saturday's matchup with these guys yeah i mean that's that's how they play big yep. play feast or famine and 
you know, if they can get a couple and turn turn some into points, which they they like to do, they like to feel like they can they can be in a game. But right. Um, yeah, I mean, the ball security is, is always at utmost, utmost importance, especially when teams are actively trying to go get it. Right. All right. Seemed like he's ready to roll, doesn't it? Sound like they had a decent week. I, I didn't see anything in there that's too concerning, really. No. No, I mean, now it's just roll out and go go get yeah. it done and then turn your attention to Iowa. That's kind of, you know, with the point spread the way it is, you're expected to win, which, you right. know, isn't something that's happened a lot. You got to just go get it now, get it done, and and start focusing on rattling a few of these off in a row. Yeah, that's the way it is. String a couple together. And a special treat for us tonight is we are now joined by the chancellor from the University of Nebraska Lincoln, Ronnie Green. Normally, chancellor, this is a really busy time of year for us because you'd have volleyball winding down, the men's and women's basketball seasons underway. They are going to start here soon, but uh, it's just been football for us to enjoy for the last month here of the year as you get ready to wind down a semester well absolutely greg you know it's a great we're grateful this year especially for every opportunity that we have to cheer on huskers um in competition of course that's just been our football team so far mm-hmm. but we're looking forward to basketball and volleyball coming up um, with a tournament here in town for basketball coming up here very shortly uh, that we're excited about. Uh, really positive news on recruiting across our teams that we're seeing. Uh, you know, John Cook talks about this being perhaps the strongest recruiting class ever the, that he has coming into Husker Volleyball. Our new five-star basketball recruit announcement last week for Fred Hoiberg and his folks. Uh, very exciting to see Bryce McGowan's coming in as that, that recruit. So the exciting news on that front. And I think as the we thought about the football game last week and a lot of talk about now Coach Frost's folks in, you know, becoming into the program and those recruits that have come in under his leadership beginning to mature and come forward with a big recruiting class coming up, we hope, again this year for them. And the eligibility, right, with two years now of mm-hmm. freshman eligibility, uh, it's going to change the way we think in a lot of ways here for the few years ahead. But Surely looking forward to a lot of our opportunities and uh, in all of our sports coming up in the spring under these modified schedules. No doubt. We want to talk some defense with you tonight, not about the black shirts, but about the Department of Defense and the research that is going on at the university. How how is uh, UNL involved with this? Well, Greg, uh, I suppose it must have been about seven or eight years ago now, the University of Nebraska became uh, one of 14 university-affiliated research centers, I'll refer to as UARCs, um, around the country. Um, there are very few of these. They're very prestigious to have these affiliated research centers. Ours have been, uh, has been affiliated with STRATCOM, uh, located here in Nebraska, of course. Uh, and they're designated by the U.S. Department of Defense to do defense-related research, so first in readiness-related research affiliated with these university UARCs. Uh, We got some big news here in the last few weeks with our UARC, which is called the National Strategic Research Institute at the University of Nebraska across the NU system, uh, with the awarding of a new $10.3 million contract from uh, the U.S. Defense Threat uh, reduction Agency, otherwise known as DITRA. Uh, the Department of Defense uh, is pretty acronym heavy. You know, they, they, they're well known for their, their uh, heavy use of acronyms. That uh, research is going to be led 
uh, by the NSRI team across Nebraska, and it will be in the area of how to better uh, treat and prevent respiratory issues in uh, warfighters, uh, stemming from exposure to chemical and biological agents uh, to better protect them when uh, defending us uh, and defending our country. Uh, it's a four-year research project. Uh, it'll characterize bacterial, viral, and chemical aerosols. Uh, it'll evaluate threats, and it will support the development of medical countermeasures uh, in that arena. Uh, very pleased that it's being led uh, here at the UNL campus, along with collaborators at UNMC, by Rick Bevins. Uh, Rick is the head of our psychology department in the College of Arts and Sciences. He also is the interim associate vice chancellor for research uh, here across the UNL campus. Um, and he will help investigate both uh, how to protective and harmful agents uh, can impact cognition and behavioral functioning um, in, uh, in our warfighters. This is kind of the result of um, an earlier effort uh, us getting this award from DITRA is the result of an earlier effort that was built with the assistance of Nebraska's Dave Berkowitz. Uh, Dave is a chemistry professor here at UNL, and he built a program together with Ken Bales at the Med Center known as the Nebraska Duck Drug Discovery Pipeline that was part of the NSRI effort, and this fits to within that, that effort uh, that they have built. So we're we're very pleased about being able to serve our country in this way and through NSRI's uh, newest award um, in this area of respiratory uh, issues for our warfighters. Very good. Well, the university is not only uh, helping to defend our nation, but they're also doing some very important work with Nebraska landowners to defend the ag landscapes and the ecosystems across our state. What is the latest on the university's work with tree and forest management? Well, you know, a lot of times I think people don't uh, automatically think of trees and forests in line with Nebraska, but we are a very treed place, even though it's we don't always think of it that way out here on the plains. Uh, there's a rich history uh, around our Forest Service. The Nebraska Forest Service actually is part of the university. Uh, it's housed within our Institute of Ag and Natural Resources as a standing agency of the state. Uh, and working with the state um, has a long history. Actually, the history of the Nebraska Forest Service goes back to the early 1900s when it was established to develop windbreaks to, you know, around the original idea of conservation and windbreaks that we now think of as routine that we see all over Nebraska uh, was actually started uh, by establishment of a tree nursery named for Charles Bessie. You know, many people will recognize Bessie Hall on our campus. Uh, Charles Bessie was one of the leading founders of the university in the late 1800s and a, and a world acclaimed uh, botanist. So recently, the Nebraska Forest Restoration Partnership was established between our Nebraska Forest Service and the state's natural resources districts and the Game and Parks Commission, the Nebraska Game and Parks Commission to address the decline that we're seeing in a lot of these windbreaks that are now mature and aged and need to be replaced and replenished. Uh, this is a part of a $4.3 million grant from USDA's uh, Natural Resource Conservation Service, NRCS, that will help landowners to receive awards 
for if they qualify for them beginning as early as this coming spring, in spring of 2021, to help to plant a million and a half new trees um, in these declining and, and uh, aged now uh, windbreaks, as well as in our declining forests across the state. So uh, very, very happy about that. We think that this effort is going to allow us to restore up to 250 miles of existing ag windbreaks around the state uh, together as a partnership between these agencies and the Nebraska Forest Service in INR. Fantastic. And to wrap up, kind of continuing our defensive theme, you've had to defend against the virus, a pandemic uh, this semester at uh, the, the university. Last week of the semester, you're going to be sending students home for an extended break. How does it feel to have reached this point of this semester? Well, you know, Greg, uh, the way I would describe it is, um, you know, it, we, there was a lot of uh, uncertainty going into this fall semester. We didn't know really how things would play out or what to expect in full, except that we knew we needed to be in school. And we knew how important that was for our students and for the institution and for the state, for the state of Nebraska and, and uh, beyond. So here we are uh, at the end of our last week of classes for the fall semester. We started on August the 17th, started a little bit earlier than normal so we could hopefully get to the point of being done with our academic term by Thanksgiving, by next week, uh, so that we would interrupt our normal schedule where we would send students home for Thanksgiving and then they would come back for three weeks and then there'd be the holiday break and then they'd come back for spring semester. We felt like it would be important this year to be able to disrupt that and have a longer break over the, the beginning of the winter months and be done at Thanksgiving to come back for spring semester at the end of January. January the 25th will be the start of our next semester. So here we are getting ready to do finals. Our students are doing their final exams, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We'll all be done uh, prior to Thanksgiving. Uh, and it's been a success. Uh, we, I'm so proud of our faculty, of our students, of our staff for everything that they have done to be able to deliver this semester in modified ways to make it work for all of us and to be safe in doing it for all of us, but successfully and successfully completing that term. Uh, the fact that we were able to hold our enrollment at a pr about the same level as a year ago under these circumstances is uh, absolutely phenomenal um, for the institution and for our students and for, for the state. Very proud of that. Um, and that we've been able to complete it um, in this way. Looking forward to the spring uh, when our students get done with this semester. Um, next week, uh, we do have a new opportunity for them uh, where we're hosting two intercession sessions between Thanksgiving a uh, first one three weeks in the first part of December, followed by a second one in the first three weeks of January after the holidays uh, that we've never done before. Uh, that's offering courses for our students to be able to enroll in completely online, completely remotely and online this time, um, but giving them an opportunity to continue their studies at an accelerated rate by taking these classes intercession. So we're kind of having a summer session in the winter, if you want to think of it that way, 
and we've had a very large number of students enroll for those two sessions uh, in the intercession. And then looking forward to having the students back on campus January the 25th for a full spring semester um, that we'll, we'll carry out to the May date for a, for a traditional end of the year in early May. Uh, we're putting all kinds of protection in place for them for them to be able to come back safely during the winter when we'll probably be inside more than we were in the fall uh, with enhanced testing and enhanced uh, you know, protocols around us being safe in the spring and looking forward to them being back uh, for a successful spring semester. So I'm thankful going into this Thanksgiving season that we've been able to do that and we've been able to have a successful academic term. And like I said before, I could not be prouder of our faculty, of our students. I mean, we may have had a burp here or a burp there, a little blip in, um, in uh, getting through the semester, but it has been amazingly successful. And I'm very proud of the University of Nebraska Lincoln. Very good. You should be. Well, good luck to all the students in their final exams. And let's, uh, let's go get the Illini on Saturday. Now it would be nice to get a second win. Going, going to Iowa City on Black Friday, 2-2 two and two will be a great thing. So looking forward to a, to a great win, uh, hopefully on Saturday against the Illini. Looking forward to welcoming them to Nebraska um, for, uh, for another great game. Go Big Red. For the next hour, we're going to be talking with Coach Ryan Held, Husker running backs coach and also recruiting coordinator. Nebraska coming off of a thrilling 30-23 victory over the Penn State Nittany Lions and getting ready for the Fighting Illini. If you'd like to be a part of the program tonight, you can dot us up at 531-500-4686 or fire us off a text at that very same number. That's our U.S. Cellular text line. Proud to be the official wireless sponsor of the Huskers, U.S. Cellular Connecting Husker Nation. Well, Coach, congratulations. That had to be a fun locker room celebration. Have you have you noticed a nice little skip in the step here this week with the guys? Absolutely. Uh, you know, our guys really worked hard. Uh, we've been really close, um, you know, the week before, and, and we were able to, uh, to get it done against uh, Penn State, who – uh, you know, is historically a great football program. They had high, high expectations coming in, but I tell you, they got great players on the field, and, and, and our guys really responded. Um, you know, we got to an early lead and then uh, was, was able to hold off. There were a lot of, lot of learning lessons for us in that game, uh, which was awesome. Um, and, but you like Coach Frost said, if you'd like to do those uh, with a win, uh, and we've been able to carry that over uh, to the week of practice as we get ready for uh, uh, finishing up, getting ready for Illinois at home. One thing that was different Saturday for, for your position was we saw for the first time Wanda Arroy lining up and carrying the ball out of the backfield. How did, how did he look when you went back and broke the tape down? You know, he obviously is a very talented guy on, on many things. Uh, you know, he can do it all. Um, you know, we just felt like there was an opportunity for him to, uh, to to run the ball uh, to you know we want the ball in his hands and and uh, you know so we're able to, to to get him in there and do some different things um, and you know he made some some big plays for us uh, and you know so he gave us a a, a different look and uh, you know it was really big in the game for us. 
Well, you've also been able to mix in in the first three games. Obviously, Diedrich's been your workhorse. He got nicked up a little bit last week, and that was the need why the need for Wandale to get some carries. But we've seen uh, Marvin Scott and Ronald Tompkins get some opportunities in the first three weeks. Evaluate what you've seen from those two young backs. Well, you know, Ronald is a guy that that uh, has gotten better, uh, you know, during the fall and and. Uh, um, you know, done some good things for us in practice. Uh, you know, he, he, he's done a few things in games. Um, you know, I think he'll continue to get better. You know, he's still a guy that, that, uh, doesn't have, uh, you know, a lot of experience, you know, cause he got hurt his senior year and, and, you know, he was out last year. So, uh, we're still building him up. Uh, you know, Marvin is a guy that's really, come along here uh in the last two to three weeks um he's learning the offense uh you know he's really uh gotten in shape uh you know and 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 made some 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 big plays in the game you know a statistical uh output you know you wouldn't say he had a really good game but when you look at Xavier Betts's touchdown at a huge block against a really good player he caught the left-handed pass from Luke on the third down that kept the drive going uh, you know, he just did some really good things uh, that are not statistical worthy uh, on the on the stat sheet, but were big in 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 helping us, uh, you know, score touchdowns and keep drives moving. Yeah, I mean, and apparently he he got a phone call Saturday night from the head coach pointing out how well he thought he'd played. That's got to be a nice little boost to the morale, doesn't it, to hear from the head coach on a Saturday night? Absolutely, you know. Uh, when you get those calls, uh, it can either be good or bad uh, at <laughs> night from the head coach. Uh, obviously, uh, those were the good calls. And, uh, you know, Marvin, you know, he's always got a smile on his face. Um, he, he, he always works hard in practice. Uh, and, and he's just getting better. And uh, he's going to be a really big asset for us uh, the rest of the year and moving forward. Um, you know, so I'm excited about where he's at but i'm excited more about where he will get well um a lot was expected of diedrich he finished so strong in 2019 for you and he played a ton of snaps coach at northwestern was was it 80 or 81 snaps that he played in that game against the cats two weeks ago give us your evaluation of of diedrich's play through three weeks well you know uh he's a guy when you watch him um He's always going to play hard. He runs hard every time he gets it. And uh, we've obviously faced some really, really good defenses. Um, and, you know, he's, you know, he's been able to, to really hit that thing downhill. Got a couple touchdowns. You know, has caught the ball well. Um, you know, he, he's, he's, he's done a really good job. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of season left. Uh, you know, we expect really good things from him moving forward. Um, and, you know, he's, he's – He's just, you know, he's, he's gotten better. I think, uh, his footwork's got better. Uh, his reads have gotten better even from last year. Um, and there, there's a lot more carries uh, left for him and not a lot more plays uh, left in the season. How's he been as, as kind of a, a leader in that room for you? I mean, he's the one guy that's a veteran has played quite a bit of, of division one football with a lot of young kids kind of around him. How's he been in that, that phase of it? Really good. Uh, you know, he, he obviously, it starts with his, you know, his, his ability to go out there every day and work hard and practice. Uh, he's very passionate. He's very competitive. Um, 
and you know the the other guys see it, and, and you know when when he's out there that he's going to you know give it his all every single play, uh, and so you know he sets the standard, and you know obviously we have a lot of guys that uh, have not played you know significant minutes, um, you know, but they see what the standard is, and we have a high standard as we try to to build the running back room back, uh, you know, to where it needs to be. Um, we're not obviously where we want to be, but we're, you know, we're working every day to, to get that done. And, and, uh, again, it's got to happen, uh, day to day, uh, in our approach, um, and, in preparation. Uh, and I feel like, uh, our guys are, are getting better. Um, and obviously we're looking forward to an, uh, another opportunity against Illinois, uh, who I tell you, when you watch them on film, Greg, they're, they're the best team in our league by far. Uh, at going after the football and punching yeah. the ball and the second guy getting to the ball, ripping it out. Uh, I think they're third in the country um, with, you know, cause fumbles. You know, last year we had five fumbles and lost four of them maybe. Don't quote me on that, but I think it was something like that. Uh, and, you know, which, which you know, really kept them in the game um, and made it a close game. But they do the best job in our league of going after the ball. So we're going to have to really do a great job of, of bringing the other hand uh, to the to the ball at contact points and and protecting it and making sure we hand the ball to the official after every play. We welcome you back to our Nebraska football show for the week. Running backs coach, recruiting coordinator Ryan Held with us. If you want to be a part of the program, 531-500-4686. That is our Sports Highly Hotline, which is brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service experience the difference purchase with confidence this is Woodhouse. another young back in your room that we have not yet seen coach is Savion Morrison the young man from the state of Oklahoma give us a progress report on him yeah he uh he was a little banged up uh in fall camp uh so he's been working himself back uh you know he's had a really good week of practice um I'm I'm getting closer to, to being able to uh uh, introduce him uh, out there. Uh, you know, he's he's very talented. Um, you know, he catches the ball well. Uh, he's really smooth in his running style. Really smart. Uh, he's picked up the offense well. Uh, so I'm excited about where he's at and, again, where he'll be. Um, you know, he's just gotten better and better. He's not, you know, uh, 100%, but he's really close. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm I'm really looking forward to, uh, you know, seeing him grow and, and, and get better each week. We've seen a little bit of Ramir Johnson, the young man from New Jersey who redshirted last year, got those four games in a year ago, and he's been out on the field a few different times as well. What what does Ramir do well? Well, you know, Ramir uh, has been grinding it out. Um, you know, he's a guy that can run. Uh, you know, there's there's just been uh, some times of inconsistencies in practice, which he knows. Um, I've challenged him to be more consistent. Uh, but, uh, you know, I like uh, how he's accepted the challenge. And uh, I, I think that uh, uh, there's opportunities for him uh, this season. And so, uh, you know, there's competitive, uh, you know, work in our room uh, each day. I challenge our guys every day. Uh, and you got to bring it in practice. I'm going to reward guys getting it done in practice on the game, uh, in the game, uh, when there's opportunities. And so uh, I like how he's accepted challenges that I've given him. And and so you know he's had a good week of practice. 
Uh, so we'll see how the game goes on Saturday. How how challenging has it been to even get together as a group with the virus? I mean, have you had to tweak your meetings, times, spaces, all that? Have you had to really work around that? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we've had to be very creative and do different things to make sure we're following the right protocols and, and everything put in place for us. Um, you know, and but our guys have, uh, you know, been able to uh, be light. We say light on your feet because you never know what can happen. And they've adjusted well. Uh, you know, we've been able to do different things uh, with meetings and, and, you know, walkthroughs and different things throughout the fall and into, you know, into the season here. Um, we've, we've handled it well so far, and we, we expect to handle it uh, the rest of the season. You're kind of overseeing the recruiting process. How, how difficult and challenging has the pandemic been in that in that realm? Well, um, you know, it's one of those deals that that uh, we're all facing the same challenges. And and at, at the end of the day, um, it's not ideal, but but uh, um, you know, we obviously have to then come up with solutions. And so we've been very. Uh, our recruiting department's done a great job of being creative with uh, different Zoom opportunities, uh, getting parents and getting kids uh, on the phone, uh, obviously using uh, the great people in our academic program, Dennis LeBlanc and his staff, Keith Zimmer and his staff, Zach Duvall in the strength training, Dave Ellis in nutrition, you know, all the different areas that are championship level that we have on our on our staff to, that really sells recruits. Uh, so, we, you know, we've been able to, to do different things with that, um, you know, to be able to, to work the 21 class uh, and, and, and be in good position where we're at today. Uh, and then, obviously, we're, we're able to get ahead uh, in the 2022 class. We've done a really good job with that. Our coaches have worked really hard in their areas and at their positions, identifying the guys that we feel like will fit our culture and what we're trying to get done. Um, but, it's a, you know, it's an ever-moving you know, it's moving all the time. We have to keep up with all the NCA rules uh, that they have. Uh, that's obviously uh, something that that uh, they give us the rules, and then we look at it, and make sure that we're following them, and then uh, how can we uh, uh, do everything in our power to to sell recruits and parents and coaches on uh, all the great things we have within the technology uh, that you know stuff that we have to to show them. Uh, but it's been really good. Uh, it'll still be changing. Uh, so we're always looking on the next cutting-edge thing to, to put us on uh, uh, in better position than other programs. You're four weeks away from that early signing date. Are you comfortable? Maybe that's not the right word, but are you, are you, do you like the position you sit in here with just, what, uh, 27 days away from that signing day? Well, I don't know if you're ever comfortable because you're always you know, wanting to make sure that you have the right kids uh, you know, watching senior film, make sure that everything's good with your commitments or make sure we don't miss anybody. Uh, we don't want to miss kids within region, uh, you know, within 500 miles. That's very important to us. And then we want to make sure the kids that we have are, are doing what they're supposed to do academically and everything. But, you know, we feel good. Um, you know, we're still, if you looked at it from the NFL, combing the waiver wire, making sure that, that uh, we're going to sign the right kids that are going to fit what we're trying to get done in our program that fit our culture, fit our vision of where we want this program uh, to be and get to. Uh, but, you know, our coaches are working really hard to, 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 to keep our commits happy 
but we're still obviously uh, looking if to make sure that we can uh, have the best class possible for the 21 group. Coach, we've, we've had this early signing day now for a, a couple of years. Are, now that you've been through it a few seasons, has it been a good thing for college football? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, I would never go back if, if you gave me a vote uh, because it, it allows – when a kid's ready to go, he's ready to sign, let's get married and, and, and be good with it. Um, you know, to, to be able now to – with all the coaching changes that go on and then – um, things can go, you know, can can get crazy. Uh, you don't want to have to get into January and February to hold off a kid you've been working for a year, um, you know, for a school that is coming in and, and uh, you know, trying to sell them in two weeks on their vision. Uh, so I think it's good for all programs. It lets a kid be done. And then it's less stressful for them to have to be recruited for another six weeks uh, after that date or whatever it is. Uh, so I'm definitely a fan of it personally. Um, and then it allows you to, uh, you know, once you make, get your signing class, if you save a few more spots, if you have some, then you can kind of see, uh, you know, who didn't sign um, or, you know, uh, somebody that might pop up and it gives you another opportunity in February to sign another kid that uh, might help your football team. Nebraska 811 says go dig red. Before you dig, always call or click 811 to have your utility lines marked. It's free. It's easy. It's the law. Also seems to be the trend more and more that that you have so many guys who come at semester, who sign in December, come on in at semester. And I know you're a big supporter of high school sports. Are you torn at all that, that those guys should just enjoy their last few days as a high school student and, and maybe play basketball or on track and field? What 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 are your thoughts about that? Well, I, what, what, what I always uh, tell the guys, uh, and, and, you know, coach, it starts with Coach Frost, and, you know, we want guys to, uh, to compete. And if they're playing a sport uh, that, you know, basketball or wrestling or baseball, um, you know, to finish it out, we want you to be a, a senior uh, and enjoy it and, and do all the necessary things that, to finish out your senior year. Now, that being said, if there's a kid that does, isn't, isn't – uh, locked into a sport in the spring um, that, you know, he doesn't really care about, and it would just be him just finishing up his senior year. If a kid has an opportunity to, to graduate early and be able to come with us and get, get in winter conditioning and get in with our team, get in with our culture, and then be able to go through spring football, there definitely are advantages. Um, and it allows them to get a leg ahead, get going academically. And then when they get in the summer, they've already, uh, you know, uh, gone through the, the rigors of, of winter conditioning and all that. So it gives them a little bit of a leg up going into the fall for them to have a chance uh, to play potentially earlier than somebody that comes in the summer. Uh, it doesn't always work that way, but it definitely has its advantages. Um, you, you know, if, if a kid is, is wanting to do it, we absolutely <clears throat> would support that. But if a kid is a great basketball player, baseball player, wrestler, whatever it is, we are absolutely going to support that to make sure that a kid can enjoy his senior year and finish up. Yeah, so that, that doesn't factor into who you offer, does it? I mean, you don't take that into consideration when you go, well, is this guy or that guy? He can come early. We'd rather have this guy than a guy who wants to finish it out and go run track and feel one more time. You know, it, 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 we definitely don't when it comes to kids in high school. When it comes to junior college kids, uh, there is a factor in that. Yeah. If we can get a kid that, that would graduate early and be with us, we absolutely feel like that would be 
important for that to happen if that we can make that possible. So there is a decision on that when we're looking at transfers and JUCO kids. Uh, We would prefer to get a guy at the semester when it comes to that. It's not a deal breaker. Obviously, we've had kids that have come in the summer. Uh, but, you know, that is definitely a factor that we would look at from the transfer uh, piece of it. Right. Uh, how about your room? What's going to be the number for the running backs room in this 2021 class? Well, right now we're looking at one uh, at this point, um, you know, that, you know, if, if something happens with injuries or or anything like that, that could change. But, um, you know, we're looking at one right now. Brian Barnhart, the play-by-play voice of the Illini, joins us now. Brian, great to have you with us. How how you been handling this odd COVID year of 2020? Yes, it is, Greg. Good to be on with you. And uh, we uh, actually, uh, it's interesting. We've uh, we've all been scramming a little bit, haven't we? With uh, some remote broadcasts and some in the stadium, and very few people, if any, in the stadium. And uh, that's the one thing I miss. Somebody asked me about the difference uh, at our stadium. We had a couple of home games. You know, you got Grange Grove out there with tailgating. And, and when you walk up to the stadium now, and I'm sure you've experienced this in Lincoln, you know, you, there's nobody there. And it's just really, really eerie. And uh, so it's been strange. I'm just happy to be doing football. I, you know, I am disappointed. It is a little sad when you, you don't get to see the people you really enjoy seeing. But, um, you know, we're doing games, and that's what counts. Absolutely. Brian, four games. Four different starting quarterbacks. I don't know that I've ever heard that before. That's unbelievable. Yeah, it's it's been a real scramble, a scramble, Greg. It's um, you know Brandon Peters started, of course. He had a great year last year, and is everybody was just so sky high. We got a veteran group of receivers with Josh Emmer Bebe leading the way, and Brandon back for his second year, and and then uh, he uh, struggles in the Wisconsin game. Then he gets the COVID diagnosis, so he has to sit out. So then you're you know, you're with uh, Matt Robinson, who's a backup quarterback, uh, starts the Purdue game, and the, after the first series, he go down, goes down with an ankle injury. And then suddenly you're down to uh, Isaiah Williams, who's out for contact tracing. And then Karan Taylor, who's the fourth-string quarterback, is in. And so then he winds up uh, starting the next week against Minnesota. And, and then last week, Isaiah Williams was able to come back and, of course, was a freshman of the week in the in the league. And so he had a great game, but it was the first extended action he had had since his highly touted career in St. Louis uh, coming to Champaign. But, yeah, it's, you know, what are you going to say? I mean, it's four, four games, four starting quarterbacks. We'll see who starts in the game uh, against Nebraska. But, um, you know, they've, they've had to really shuffle the deck and reach deep into the depth chart. Yeah, well, the good news is I think you got a couple healthy ones at least ready to go for this this week's game. Again, <laughs> busy with Brian Barnhart from the, the the Illinois Network as we look at the, the Fighting Illini for this game with the Huskers. Lovey Ball on defense. I know that, that that defense has given up points and yards, but, man, they sure have a knack of turning the other team over a little bit. Uh, lay out some of that for us here. Well, it's something they've, they've emphasized, and Lovey Smith built his career on it. You know, when he was in St. Louis as a defensive coordinator and then in Chicago with the Bears. And, you know, last week, uh, some of the, the wins we've had last year were just prototypical Lovey Smith wins. If you've been in the state of Illinois or followed the Bears, it was like, yep, that's what it looks like. You know, they got like three or four turnovers. They always are trying to stand up, you know, the offensive player, running back or receiver, and strip the ball away. They do a great job of that. Jake Hansen's one of the best in the country at that at linebacker. Uh, they had three interceptions last week. Uh, it really is um, 
a testament to Coach Smith and the defense that they're able to consistently do that. And Greg Schiano mentioned it, the coach at Rutgers. He said this was the most uh, trying to knock the ball loose, get it out team he'd, he'd ever seen. Uh, and that's how, how Lovey Smith did it all those years and built success in Chicago. And the guys have bought into it. The leaders do it. The young guys do it. And uh, it really helped put together that nice winning streak last year. And um, they, they've got to have it because the offense at times uh, has struggled because of all the uncertainty of, at quarterback. You know, Brian, I, I, I thought last year when the Huskers made their way through that season that maybe the most physical team that the Big Red played was was Illinois. And, again, I think that would be a trade of Lovey's defense. And one guy, when I watch that defense, my eyes just go to, and that is Jake Hanson, the linebacker. Tell me about him. Well, he's a guy, when you look at him, you think, well, he's, he looks like your average guy. you know. He, uh, but on the field, uh, he just is so smart. He's one of the captains. Uh, he he just is has a knack for being in the right place at the right time. He just doesn't hardly make any mistakes. He just always is where he needs to be. And he, again, he's bought into that uh, turnover, uh, you know, mentality. And he's just really good at um, getting deflections on interceptions. He had one of those last week. Uh, you're right. Your eyes are seeing the right the right stuff. I mean, he he just uh, some players have that uh, uh, ability to just. I don't know, adjust to where their body is or they they they, they know the opposition's uh, uh, plays really well. They do their homework, uh, and he's just uh, he's just terrific linebacker. And they moved him outside, and he's a little more natural at that spot than he is at the middle necessarily. But, man, he had a lot of tackles last week. And, uh, yeah, your eyes aren't deceiving you. He's, uh, he's really something. Yeah, 15 tackles last week, and I know that the uh, pro football focus had him as the highest-rated linebacker in the country last week, and I, I believe it. You know, we Brian, we, before the season starts, we always go through and do a position breakdown with Nebraska, and then we compare it to how it stacks up around the Big Ten West. And when we got to special teams in the kicking game, we had Illinois right at the top, and, and, and Blake Hayes has been so good as the punter, and James McCord, who also missed some time because of contact tracing, booted that game-winning field goal last week. At love, he's got to love having guys like that as his kickers. Oh, yeah, and Blake Hayes has been – and he had, Blake actually struggled a little bit last week, which really the first uh, game or a couple of weeks ago, I guess, against Minnesota, he struggled uh, – uh, we had some windy conditions, and I don't know, that was one of the first times in the four years I've seen him, Greg, where it was like, huh, he didn't really have a very a good game. Uh, but I can almost count on one hand the number of bad punts he's had, and he had a couple of dandies last week. I mean, the, the flipping of the field position, uh, you know, sets up Lovey's defense very, very well. He, he uh, He's like a, um, I don't know, it's like a trick shot artist in golf. You know, he can almost put the ball, you know, I'm going to hit it here and put it two yards inside the uh, the pylon, you know, or whatever. I mean, he can just almost put it exactly where he wants it. Uh, and so I think he's the number one prospect, I think, on Mel Kuyper's uh, draft board as a punter, and he's terrific. Uh, McCord, of course, had the game winner last year with with uh, Wisconsin. He had, uh, you know, some great games, and he had been out, as you mentioned, with the tracing and then back and missed a couple last week, which was a little unusual for him from that range. He's been pretty good from 45 and out. But uh, then he made the one that counted at the end. And so, yeah, they're, they're very happy with a special team. We're going to miss those guys uh, when they're gone because uh, they're one of the best. Uh, Hayes, in particular, one of the best we've ever had. Well, Brian, as always, we appreciate the time. Thank you so much. And uh, we wish the Illini the best of luck as this season, this strange, odd 2020 season unfolds. 
Well, you too. Uh, stay safe and uh, good luck uh, to the Huskers uh, throughout the year. And uh, we'll have some basketball here soon, so we can uh, get into that too. Tomorrow night, we'll have our Big Ten Picks of the Week. Ian Rappaport will be with you in a preview of the Cornhusker Conversation, all coming your way on our Friday edition of Sports Highly. Thanks to Ben, to Austin, to Mick, and all of you for being a part of this one tonight. Enjoy the rest of your night. We'll do this again tomorrow. Good night.